This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, November 9th. Coming up, two KCUR reporters have been investigating allegations of corruption in the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department. We'll hear what they found and how they found it. But first, some headlines. For decades, Kevin Strickland has been in prison, waiting for a chance to clear his name. Yesterday, he took the stand in the first day of his innocence hearing in Jackson County Court. KCUR's Luke Martin reports. Without wavering, Kevin Strickland told a judge that he had never entered the house where a triple murder occurred in 1978 and that he turned himself into police afterwards because he had done nothing wrong and had nothing to hide. Strickland took questions from his own attorney and Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters Baker. The 62-year-old has spent 43 years in prison for that triple murder in South Kansas City. This week's hearing is Baker's first chance to argue for his innocence in front of a judge. A group of activists from around the country gathered in front of the Jackson County Courthouse yesterday to support the family of Cameron Lamb. Lamb was fatally shot in 2019 by Kansas City Police Detective Eric DeValconeer, whose involuntary manslaughter trial began yesterday. Among the speakers was Jacob Blake Sr., the father of Jacob Blake Jr., who was shot and paralyzed by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year. So we're trying to understand when the accountability is going to be raised up. DeValconeer is the first known Kansas City police officer to be charged in a fatal shooting. A partner of DeValconeer testified yesterday he believes DeValconeer saved his life, KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. On December 3, 2019, then-detective Troy Schwamm and DeValconeer responded to a call about a high-speed civilian car chase on a residential street. They arrived at a driveway at 41st and College, where Lamb was backing a red pickup into a garage. Schwamm said he heard DeValconeer yell twice that Lamb had a gun before DeValconeer fired into the windshield, killing the 26-year-old black driver. Schwamm, who was near the driver's side, said he did not see a gun just before the shooting, but asked by DeValconeer's attorney whether he thought DeValconeer saved his life. He broke down and said yes. At issue is whether Lamb did have a gun. A gun was later found on the ground beneath his left hand, but it's not clear how it got there. News surfaced last month about a federal investigation into allegations of corruption at the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department. That probe reportedly looks at just one former detective, but KCUR has learned that the FBI has been looking into police misconduct in KCK for decades. Reporters Peggy Lowe and Steve Vakrat found documents that show routine misconduct by KCK police and little will to correct it. On a chilly evening two weeks ago, a group of activists gathered in front of the Unified Government Building in downtown Kansas City, Kansas. Local pastor Rick Behrens, a member of the social group More Squared, spoke to the crowd. The sign here says, uh, we've waited four decades. That's a long time. That's too much time to wait. Behrens was urging KCK citizens to sign a petition calling for an investigation by the U.S. Department of Justice into what activists say is a systematic pattern of abuses towards communities of color. Those abuses have long been rumored. Now KCUR has uncovered FBI documents dating back to the 1990s that show KCK police routinely violated the civil rights of those they were sworn to protect. The FBI document said that KCK police officers severely beat people in the city jail, 
They were said to have been dealing illegal drugs and committing robberies, and they ignored the crack cocaine epidemic in Wyandotte County. That's Steve Vakrat, investigative editor of NPR's Midwest Newsroom. He filed a Freedom of Information Act records request and got the FBI documents. There were two investigations that the FBI did in the KCK Police Department. One was called Operation Street Smart. The other one was called Operation Tarnish Star. What those two operations found was revealing. An unnamed FBI agent wrote that there were 200 officers with misconduct allegations against them, many for excessive force. Yet the agent seemed pessimistic about any reforms. An FBI agent says in his memo that the situation within the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department has existed for decades. He notes that the situation did not develop overnight and it will not be solved overnight. And part of the problem that's identified is that there's a lack of resources, particularly in the U.S. Attorney's Office. He also points out that the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department doesn't investigate itself. These FBI reports are backed up by retired FBI agent Al Jenerich, who investigated the KCKPD during the 1990s. He says that finding so many misconduct allegations on that many officers in a small department was unusual. And he says that he was shocked by some of the KCKPD procedures, including the destruction of internal affairs reports after just three years. Now, why would you do that? The only reason you would do that would be to protect dirty cops or cops that are are behaving improperly, let's say. But those corruption allegations weren't confirmed until 2017 with the exoneration case of Lamont McIntyre. He's a black man who was wrongfully convicted of a double homicide in 1994, a case run by then KCK detective Roger Golubsky. Golubsky is retired but now facing a civil suit brought by the McIntyre family. He has denied the allegations. So I gave the documents that we drew upon for this story to the KCK Police Department and asked them to comment on a couple of things. That's reporter Steve Vakrat again. They told me that there were very few officers from the early 1990s who still work there. But they insisted that there have been a number of changes in policing over the years, both within their department and more broadly, and that they say that the police department, as it's described in the early 1990s, is in no way reflective of the department as it exists today. Pray it with me. It's time. It's time. It's time to act. It's time to act. Back at the rally in KCK, Pastor Rick Barons invited the crowd to pray with him for justice. It's time to step up. It's time to speak out. It's time to speak out. It's time for justice. The KCK police and the unified government have confirmed that there is already a federal grand jury looking into the Golubsky case. Activists hope that this time someone might pay for these allegations from the past and make change for the future. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Peggy Lowe. Coming up, we'll talk to Peggy about how she and Steve reported this story. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a part of UMB Bank, your story is our focus. UMB works closely with you to tailor a plan that meets your goals through every stage of life and changing economic climates. UMB's customized financial planning services and resources help you accumulate, preserve, and protect wealth, giving you peace of mind about your future. UMB, everything we do starts with you, from our high-touch service to our robust suite of wealth management products. 
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. I'm here with KCUR investigative reporter Peggy Lowe, who reported the story you just heard alongside Steve Vakrat. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Nomi. So just to start off, how long have you been reporting on this issue? That is so hard to say because we have been reporting on it for so long. <laughs> and I know that's like a really dumb answer. But when the Lamont McIntyre case came to light in 2017 and this entire issue about police corruption in KCK came to light, back then we started looking at this. So this has been a real long-term project that KCUR has undertaken on KCK police corruption. How long did it take you to work on this story that we just aired? So this story took a little while because Steve Vakrat, who is now with the NPR Midwest newsroom here for investigative reporting, he uh, requested the public documents through a Freedom of Information Act. And so it always takes quite a long while to get those back. And then you get those back and you never know what you're going to get. And oftentimes there's a lot of redactions. They take out the names of all the people involved, the officers involved, that kind of thing. So I would suggest that this story, you know, has been going on for like the last nine months or so. And we felt like it was really worth it because it confirmed a lot of what had only been rumored in the past. So in your story, you mentioned that in these documents you received, you learned about an FBI investigation from the 90s into allegations of misconduct. What are some of the incidents that the FBI looked into? This is such a remarkable piece of documentation from the FBI because, like I said, it confirms things that had only been rumored in the past, but also it shows that something more than 200 police officers were being looked at for misconduct, which included being part of the drug trade, beating up people in the city jail, treating the communities of color terribly. So we got really sort of micro and macro instances of that in the documents. And it was written by um, an unnamed FBI agent who was really unsparing um, in his ideas about what was up in KCK, which basically that there was a ton of police corruption. But he was also equally pessimistic about whether or not anything would happen. He felt like there really wasn't the political will within the U.S. Attorney's Office, within the FBI, and certainly not within the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department. So why did the FBI's investigation not go anywhere? This is what's so funny. First of all, we can't say for sure because that is not in the report, but the FBI agent was very pessimistic that it would go anywhere. He said that the KCKPD was absolutely, you know, not working with anyone else and looking at him. He said that there was an appetite within the Wyandotte County District Attorney's Office, but they couldn't do anything if KCK wouldn't cooperate. The other reason that the FBI investigations went nowhere, according to these documents that we got, was that the agent wrote that after Julie Robinson, a then U.S. attorney, left that office, she was moved up to the federal bench, um, any help in her office went away. She had helped with subpoenas. She had helped with investigative stuff. And with her leaving the U.S. attorney's office, he said, this agent, that there was just no more political oomph behind that to move forward. So in the web version of your story at KCUR.org, you talk about some of the specific incidents that were mentioned in the FBI report. Um, For example, one that stood out to me was uh, an incident where these children were were walking from one house to another and they were um, sort of accosted by this group of officers. That's right. So when people talk a lot about um, whether or not something ever happened and anyone complained back in KCK 
over the decades that this has gone on. This kind of proves that people were speaking up and nothing ever happened. So this was a written complaint by the NAACP. And they included this in the FBI records. A group of 16 black children between the ages of 7 and 16 were walking to a relative's house on a rainy day when six white officers stopped them. They searched the children. They ordered the children to the ground, of all things. And a lot of the kids were just lying in mud, face down in the mud. And um, they they were questioned as if they had already done something wrong. And the police were not only sort of physically abusive, but they used the N-word, and it was just a really, really abusive situation. In another specific example, no mean, um, there was a memo dated April 22nd, 1993, and this described um, officers being called out to 7th and Troop Streets in Northeast Kansas City, Can. The date is a little unclear, but because the FBI redacted so much. But the memo said that several young people accused an officer of stepping on the back of an unnamed person, kicking this person in the ribs, using profanity, epithets, of course. And the summary of the incident did say no significant injury was resulted. But again, here, the police officer was white. The remarks were made about what could indicate a lack of sensitivity, they diplomatically said in the FBI report. And it's just, this is how communities of color have been treated in KCK for a long, long time. So that's why these FBI documents, in my opinion, were so important because of these microaggressions like this and then the overriding, you know, macro of police corruption. Why do you think it's important that people know about this? I think that this case is such a vindication for all the people in KCK who have said for decades that this happened and nobody did anything. This is proof positive that, in fact, it happened. And now, finally, decades after it happened, you know, there is some move towards justice. Um, I think, though, that said, that is my reading of it as the reporter on the other side of the state line who happens to be white. Um, I think there are some folks in KCK, too, who were like, why didn't you believe us years ago? Of course this happened. And there are other things going on in this town that we wish you would cover. So I think it's a really interesting, you know, two-sided coin on how this is rounding about right now. Peggy Lowe is a reporter for KCUR. You can read more of Peggy and Steve's story on kcur.org. Thanks, Peggy. Thank you, Nomeen. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomeen Ujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can hear Kansas City's NPR station live on the air at 89.3 FM. If you like Kansas City today, why not write us a review in your favorite podcast app? Or you can let us know how you feel by leaving us a voicemail at 816-235-8930. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at how COVID vaccine hesitancy is affecting Kansas City. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.